Welcome to the Building Texas Business Podcast. Interviews with thought leaders and organizational visionaries from across industry. Join us as we talk about the latest trends, challenges, and growth opportunities to take your business to the next level. The Building Texas Business Podcast is brought to you by Boyer Miller, providing counsel beyond expectations. Find out how we can make a meaningful difference to your business at BoyerMiller.com. And by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Discover more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, Chris Hanslick. In this episode, you will meet Michael Shurick, CEO and founder of Archon Corporation. Michael's passion for commercial construction is evident. And in this episode, he shares how he has built a strong team by creating a positive work environment, opportunity for growth and ownership, and staying competitive with compensation. Michael's clarity around purpose and passion have fueled Archon's success. Okay, Michael, thanks for being here. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. I'm glad to be here. It's great. So you're the president founder of Archcon, right? CEO. I'm president now as of about four years. Okay. That's Jason Cooper, but yeah, I'm, I'm the founder of uh, Archon Corporation and have been so since 2000. Very good. So tell us a little bit about what Archcon is known for. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I think one of the first you know, things that we're known for is great marketing. You know, general contractors, I'm, we're commercial general contractors. So, you know, build commercial real estate and people will oftentimes come to, to, to one of us and say, you know, I, man, I, I see y'all everywhere. I see your trailers and I, and uh, man, I saw this, you know, on, on you know, on, on LinkedIn, or I saw this on Instagram, and so, you know, I think we've done a great job as a business, you know, with our employees and with our clients, and really giving the public a, a good, you know, look into who we are and what we are all about. And so, you know, that, and I think, from a perspective of, a lot of people have seen us over the last couple of decades, and so, you know, I think we're known for you know, that, that growth that we've, you know, experienced, you know, time and time again, because, you know, anyone that's had a business, Chris, knows that uh, it's hard to grow. You know, you can hold on to something and you can, you know, try to control it. But as soon as you start relying on other people and start letting it, uh, you know, take on a life of its own, then, you know, it gets, uh, it gets difficult. So I think people respect that, uh, that aspect of our business. That's great. You raise it, I think, an interesting point there and an important one for an entrepreneur like yourself, and that is to truly grow, you've got to have the courage to let go of a little bit and trust others. Otherwise, you're going to be limited to just what you can do, right? Absolutely. Uh, it can be brutal at times. Yeah. <laughs> Growing pains, no pun intended, right? That's right. That's right. Well, and I love the way you describe being known for great marketing because that's not what you would describe most general contractors as being known for. That's right. That to me sounds innovative, Michael. So what kind of led you down that path to take that path to being distinctive in your industry? You know, I think it goes back to why I started the company in the first place. And this is America. And, you know, for me, you know, Archon is the American dream. And so... You don't start a business, I think, and truly love it if you're doing it, you know, 
just for the money, right? You have a passion for, first and foremost, whatever it is that uh, the business does. But then, you know, there's a lot of other aspects about, you know, having and, and growing a business in this country that, uh, that you, you have at your fingertips. And so to me, you know, that's been a great joy has been to develop, you know, all of the aspects of my business, not just, you know, what the grind that we do day in and day out, but, you know, the development of people, the development of our systems, you know, the development of our different services within our business. And so, you know, we've, you know, we were talking earlier, you know, that Boyer Miller has won an award in marketing. And, and so, you know, we have too. And so, you know, that's because it's important to us, important to both our businesses. Right. And, and because, you know, having the people within the organization and those outside the organization have a better understanding of who we are if we communicate well to them. Right. And it, what we found, and appreciate you mentioning those awards, what we found, that only works if you really have clarity about who you are as an organization, which I think for us, I don't think I know for us, comes from what we are passionate about yeah. and what we're committed to as an organization. What is that for ArchCon? What is the passion? What is the mission that you have clarity about that you can then get your employees to align behind and engage with? That's a great question. And, you know, it's very clear for us. <clears throat> we are a, a very entrepreneurial company. We're an entrepreneurial organization. So, you know, that is at our core. This is not Michael Shurick Construction. You know, this is Archon Corporation that gives people, first and foremost, the opportunity to push themselves, get into a position where they can pursue independent and opportunities to, to work in a very autonomous way with great guidance and leadership, where they ultimately have a path to ownership. And that is unique, I think, in, in organizations that I've seen where many have are tightly held and, or, or on the other end of the spectrum, you know, where they're ESOPs or where everyone, you know, is an owner. So I think in a way, you know, our company kind <clears> of <throat> symbolizes, again, what America is because the best, you know, survive. So if, you know, as our, you know, culture, you know, we, you know, promote that opportunity for people to, to take on very entrepreneurial roles and pursue the same dream of ownership. That's great. So maybe back up, maybe just a little bit. You made reference to the Ameri you know, the company being the epitome of the American dream. What was your inspiration for breaking out on your own? I guess twenty two years ago. Yeah, that's uh, right. What yeah? You know, what was that? What inspired you to start the company? And what continues you know, to drive you now? Yeah, I mean that's really you know in the essence of it. And you can read all the business books about entrepreneurship, and you can see from the success stories that uh, you know people that make it through. It's an incredible challenge, and I think I'm you know. But we talked about sports, you know, before, and I, right. I think I am built around taking on you know challenge, and so you know with that <clears throat> and stepping out and doing it for. Yourself, I grew up in a family where my dad was a chemist and worked for Texaco for 35 years, and you know had patents, and but always you know was within 
the protective envelope of the company. And I have, you know, I'm the youngest of six and none of my siblings are, are entrepreneurs. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're two firemen, two, two teachers, an attorney. And so, you know, they, you know, it was sounding really good to you said one was an attorney. <laughs> well, nobody's perfect. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they all think I'm absolutely positively insane. And so I think you, you have to, you know, if you ask any entrepreneur why they do it, it's, you know, it's that internal drive that just, you know, keeps them going. And for me, you know, the, I love the, the commercial real estate process. And so, you know, those things put together... I'm in an industry, Chris, that is very slow to change, okay? okay? The construction industry is very slow to change. And we have, you know, labor that, that is, you know, that is trained and then over years has to have a craft and then, you know, has to repeat that cycle. So it's very slow to change. It's prime for change where technology can come in and make a significant impact a really big impact, but it is slow to change. So in my mind, after I got out of school, went to Texas A&M and then worked a few years up in Dallas, um, I started working in this industry and realizing that it was prime for innovation, which kind of brings us back to the first question, you know, is, is right. what kind of innovation? And so, you know, the things that, that we have done within our walls such as, you know, with software that had, you know, was early adopters and then with, you know, techniques, you know, in the field, all of those things are the, the little things that motivate me. And you really can't do that when you are, you know, on the, or in, within a large organization that is slow to move. And so as, a, as an entrepreneur, I felt like I would have more control into taking those kind of, you know, directional changes. Gotcha. So you're willing to take some risks, right? Absolutely. Not knowing how it may go. That's right. But following your gut. So you talked a little bit about technology and innovation. What are some of the things that Archon is doing that you believe is innovative for your industry that gives you somewhat of a competitive edge? Sure. We've spent a lot of time and money and effort implementing a platform within the Salesforce. If you're familiar with this sure. software, it's a very, um, you know, it's a, in and of itself, it's a toolbox. You buy a toolbox, but then, right. you know, you really have to invest a lot to, to build and put the tools within it. And so that, that has brought together a lot of different aspects of our business and not just from a contact management software, but really through the linking the entire life cycle of our projects. And so that is, is a big piece of the kind of fiber that runs through us. And then, so that's from a kind of software perspective. And then on the flip side, right, because I bet if you ask how many construction companies are using Salesforce and invested in that, very few would probably uh, would say they had, but, and there's other software, sure. but then on the, uh, on the physical side, the construction side, you know, it's really about thinking outside the box, right? And be willing to get creative. And I think that comes from my, you know, artistic and architectural background. And so, you know, we incur problems all the time in construction. Right. You know, as, as an attorney sitting on the side of, you're dealing with a lot of those problems and negotiating with the, you know, those, sure. those out. But so, you know, when you're in the field and it's real time trying to resolve those problems, that's where you really have to get creative. So a best example that I can give you is, 
you know, when we had a steel crisis, which, you know, we've had commodity crisis over the past two years, starting with, you know, the wood framing and everybody sees the headlines. And, and so, you know, that ripples through our business. And so there was a period in this where steel was a major problem and you couldn't get these joists and we're building, you know, we have different products that Archon builds. We build industrial buildings and we build hotels and we have these, you know, very disciplined divisions that we operate. And so one of those is the industrial division. We build these big industrial tilt wall warehouses that are for distribution purposes. And everybody knows Amazon and Amazon has at a period of time was building more than anyone, about a third of all new industrial buildings that were delivered for a number of years were being occupied by Amazon. Pretty remarkable. It is. One company could do that. But uh, during this time, you could not get these joists. And so you had to wait the, too long. And so we came up and worked with our you know, engineers to, to implement an all-beam a system. This is kind of technical, but sure. for someone that's in the business, it, it's basically just, you know, thinking about the building in a different way and taking a material that there was plenty of and supplementing it for something that, that, you know, was hard to get. In the end of the day, it was saved money and saved time. So, those are you know, some of the. That's an example. It's a great story, though. Yeah. I mean, you take a problem and you turn it into a, a competitive advantage, right? Absolutely. Look at the mouse trap a little differently, and how do you build a different mouse trap, a better mouse trap? That's right. Sounds like it. It worked out. It seems to me that would have allowed you to maybe be in a position to win more jobs because you were ready to go. It certainly continued our reputation in that marketplace as you know one of the leaders, and that's you know what it's like in business. You you get on top. And you got to stay on top. That's right. <laughs> so you can't rest on your laurels. You got to grind it every day if it, you want to stay on top. It is an everyday grind because if once you slow down, you get passed by. That's right. right. So let's go back to a topic we touched on briefly. You talked about you know being able to grow because you have great people, mm-hmm. great team. What are some of the things that you have done, you personally to start maybe, and then what you have you know your other team members doing that that you utilize to make sure you're bringing in good team members, training them, you know, what does that look like within your company? Yeah. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, I always say you have to be present to win, right? I mean, you have to be present to yeah. win. And, and so, you know, being there and, and, and being among, you know, all of the individuals in the organization and, and being connected to them is an important job for me. And, sure. And I enjoy it. And that's, you know, it is the backbone of the organization. And, and so that is, is then spread into our, you know, our executive team and then, you know, continues, you know, throughout the organization. So, you know, th- that, that is an, an important part. The next piece is, you know, the development. It's one thing to go, you know, get a job and get experience at the job and feel like you're, you know, you're advancing because of that experience. But, you know, there's a whole nother level of, this development personally where someone can transfer transform from, you know, doing the work to managing the work to becoming a leader. And again, we all have had lots of, you know, sessions on leadership, but but it really is to me, you know, it's, you don't go from being a doer to, to a leader. Some people are just naturally born leaders, but you know, and some people are just naturally born salesmen, some are naturally born, you know, engineers. And, 
but it doesn't mean you, you can't do the other pieces. And so that's what we focus on and, and looking at, you know, individuals and, you know, what if they're left brain dominant or right brain dominant and really paying attention to those you know, specifics so that we can help them make this, you know, this transformation. And I think that they really latch on to that. They yeah. really do. They latch on to it. And, you know, we do this in sessions that, that are, you know, within groups. So we have where we focus, we get all the project managers together and we focus on them and our senior project managers and our vice presidents. And so, you know, they all have different levels that they're operating in. And so we have to target, you know, those specific things that they need to help them advance. Got you. That's great. Well, <clears throat> the best investment you can make is in your people, right? Because that's who's out there making it happen. That's right. So roughly how many employees do you have? 215. What 215 is opportunities. There you go. <laughs> what? So what has it been like leading an employee force of 215 over the last two years through this pandemic? What challenges have you faced in your role as CEO or the company sure. has faced in trying to keep that employee force together and moving forward? Yeah. Well... It's, uh, it's on everybody's mind. There's no question about it. Right. It's a, the question of the day. You know, we just moved into our new office building the end of 2020. And I have three aspects that I try to focus on when it comes to employees. And that is their work environment, their opportunity and their compensation. And it really takes all three of those to have a successful relationship with someone in, in, at Archon. And so at the beginning we of kind of this period that you're talking about, we were moving into our new office building and I had invested a lot right. into you know, our venue and, and, you know, the fitness center and just the entire work environment and sit stand desks and just rethought everything, you know, because again, you know, construction companies that they're not typically set up. Like you go see, you know, a, you know, a, a, a maybe an architectural firm that is very ergonomic and very thoughtful in sure. their work environment. And so, um, but it was at this time that, you know, we experienced that, you know, no one could come to the office. So it's one of those things about, you know, entrepreneurship and owning a business where, you know, timing is everything. Right. And so this one did not feel very good. We were all sitting at home with a, you know, a brand new office. A, brand, a shiny new toy you couldn't play with. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't make that up. And so at any rate, it, uh, I think, you know, for us, it is even more important than ever before. Because when you talk about working from home, which, you know, has been a challenge for every single business. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you look at it from the other perspective, Chris, and, and, you know, not everyone is really created equal when it comes to working remotely. I have a, have a really comfortable office at home and you may have a very nice office that you like to work out of at home. But, you know, Many people may have the kitchen table or the dining room table and they have, you know, cats and dogs and kids and they have, you know, maybe relatives in, in the house. And so 
you know, I think from a short term perspective that, uh, you know, it, it achieved what it needed to. But from a long term perspective, I think it can be, you know, a bigger challenge than just that, uh, you know, that, than that flexibility initially presents itself. Sure. And all, not to mention the impact it has on the culture of our organizations, et cetera, et cetera. So I have no regrets. And I feel like that, you know, in, in that work environment that we have that is, that is really fabulous will pay off in the end and uh, and if nothing else to give you know people a place that they want to go right i mean the place that they want to go and you spend a lot of our time working and so that's important to me the opportunity we talked about you know we talked about that and you know we're very clear about each and every individuals and we have clear you know delineated paths to 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 leadership all the way from you know entry level posi- positions like you know site coordinator through through senior vice president, you know, and then the other challenge that, that we've experienced and, you know, just talked about it beforehand was just the demand for people. And so as, you know, we've seen prices rise, well, you know, the salaries and have have had to increase along with those. And so, you know, that is, has been a real challenge for us, but in, you know, we used to evaluate those, you know, annually. I think, you know, people had pretty systematic way of doing their reviews and then their, you know, their compensation. And I've seen it really over the last, and I'd say more than just two years, but it's been compressing the frequency of which we are evaluating the individual's compensation. So much so that in this market today, we're doing it monthly. Really? And, and you know, because there's such a demand for, you know, folks working in our industry that's moving, the needle's moving so quickly that we have to stay in tune with it. And the only way to do that is to look at it, every, right. you know, and, and <clears> make adjustments sure. as necessary. So you have to be willing to kind of throw the, the old rules away and operate under the new ones. I mean, like I said, you raise a great point because I, you know, that staying current and evolving and things in the last couple of years for sure are changing so rapidly that you've got to stay on top of it. If you don't, especially on the talent side, trying to replace someone is so challenging because you just, there's no, no guarantee someone's out there. Yeah. And we fall, I mean, I think it's human nature to fall into a somewhat of a trap with if someone's doing a good job and they're taking care of things. Well, you know, we don't, we tend to not, focus on them as much as we should. We're focused on, hey, we got to get some new people, we got to hire some new people. And so we have to be very careful not to forget about those folks that are really doing great work and pulling a heavy load and, and making sure that, that, you know, they're getting the attention that they need. That's right. So it's so easy, whether you're running a business or, you know, you hear about it in parenting, right? That the trouble child can get more of the attention. And That's you, right. You can't let that happen because you'll lose your superstars without right. giving them the training attention opportunity that they're wanting and delivering. That's right. So that's, I think that's always been a challenge. I think it's definitely a big challenge today in in, in a tight labor market that we're in. Um, So sounds like you're, I don't see it changing anytime soon. Me At least, uh, you know, until, you know, something significant event happens, but uh, short of that, I think we're going to have to live through this a little longer. I think you're right. And I think that, you know, Includes kind of the hybrid work model, the yeah. working from home and you know, 
like you said, it's tough to have a strong culture, at least from my view, when people aren't together. Right. Cultures created with people being connected and being together. And I think most business owners I've spoken to in the last, you know, 12, 18 months have said we're trying to regain or rebuild the culture that we had because when you're apart, yep. you know, you just can't help but have slippage. So how would you describe the culture at ArtCon? Well, again, I think it's, uh, you know, it's it has a family environment to it. And that's resulting of me being a part of a big family. You know, yeah. that there is, it's hard to be in a big family, but it's incredibly rewarding, right? The sense of community within a family that, that will, are there for you, you know, when you need them. And so, as we call it, the Archon family, and that, that culture, you know, you pick up others. It's really I have a super temp that said this, and we use it, you know, frequently, one another helping each other. And I, I think that is a great, you know, assessment of our culture. That's a great one. Um, so let's maybe turn a little bit away from the company specifically and talk more about you as a leader, how would you describe your leadership style? Well, there's several, you know, look through history and the great leaders and you have the servant leader and you have the, you have the leader by example. And, and, you know, I think from a leadership perspective, it's always, you know, you have to put yourself you know, on the other side of the table. And you have to know that everything you do matters. And when you take that, you know, perspective, you know, how you dress, how you walk, how you enter the, the, the room, how you treat another person, how you treat a situation, you know, people are watching. They're mm-hmm. constantly watching. Right. You know, and so... I, I think that is the primary aspect of, of my leadership. The second is, you know, my father, this comes from my dad, Joe Shurik, and, you know, one of the amazing things about him was how he handled difficult situations. Now, everybody has difficult times in their lives, and for some reason it, it seems to come in batches. Right. You know, and things happen great, and a lot of things happen in a row, and but then when the bad things come, they seem to function the same way. They come in batches. And so, you know, that starts to, to wear on individuals. And so, you know, my, my dad was great about handling the big things. You know, he had a German, I'm German, he had a German temper. And, you know, the, but then, you know, yell and then he'd be done in 30 <laughs> seconds. You know, my mother would hang on to it for three days, but, you know, he'd be done with it in 30 seconds. And so, you know, I think that having the ability to deal with the really tough stuff, and a very placid and, and, and understanding is, is a big part of leadership, right? And that means you have to be patient, you know, the patient yeah. leader. And, uh, but that's hard for people because they don't they, they feel like they're being taken advantage of or they feel like they're, you know, it's threatening them or the viability of their, you know, organization. Or they may even wonder whether you care enough to take action if you're being too patient, right? That's and question right. your leadership, which that's is a right. challenge. That's right. So leadership's an art. And leadership is... is you know, all of these great examples that we have in history and then applying those to our own personalities. And so that's what, you know, I try to do is to develop that leadership 
in others. And so, you know, there's the principles and core principles that really can, if you repeat the process, can be learned. And I think that's, you know, are, are leaders made or are they born, right? And, yeah. and it's like, is, is our, is, do we have a destiny or are we floating on a breeze? And so, you know, it's, you know, Forrest Gump, it's a little bit of both. <laughs> that's what I That's think. right. I agree with you. I, and yeah, I, and I, I certainly agree with what you said. I guess, you know, drawing on your dad's experience, your people are watching you. So if there's a crisis, the calmer you are, the calmer they're going to be through it. That's right. They're going to, they're going to take, you know, kind of their view of it based on how you're reacting. And yeah. well, uh, remember during the beginning of the in April of, of 2020, we started getting these hits every week. We'd get a new hit, you know, the, the pandemic and then the stock market that, that uh, dropped and then, Oil went to, oh, to below zero territory, and then you have statues being torn down, and you have you know all these every week. We had something that was, you know, traumatic, and people were genuinely upset and fearing. And so, you know, every Friday, I'd send an email out and very thoughtfully, you know, give them a, you know, my you know perspective of what the you know situation was, and you know, end with you know Archon Courage, and I think that's an example of. That, that, you know, staying calm and helping others deal with, you know, that trial and tribulation in front of them, whether it's themselves within their four walls of their home and their family, or if it's, you know, in this world that, uh, that surrounds them. Right. So let's talk a little bit. I always, you know, a firm believer that sometimes we learn most in the times that we fail. <laughs> So I'm curious to you know, <laughs> I take it you agree. <laughs> we don't like to talk about them maybe sometimes, yeah. but is there an event or circumstance either kind of personally as a leader or that sure. the company went through sure. where you could say, man, it was a, I made a mistake or it was a, you know, I consider it a failure or setback, but boy, did I learn from it and it made me better yeah. going forward. So, I, you know, you've heard that you know, we're, we're, we're not measured on our, successes were measured on our failures and because if you fail then you know you have pursued something beyond what you're comfortable with you're pursuing something that you haven't done before right because you know once you've done it you get experience and you're less likely to fail you just you just you know into a production standpoint right right so if you're failing it's because you're pursuing something beyond what you already have and know and so I believe in that. And, and so it takes time, though, to learn to live with failure. That's a big, sure. that's a big pill as you, you know, it, it hits your confidence and your pride. And, and you know, it's, pride's t- it's rough. Pride's rough. You know, it's odorless, tasteless, and one of the hardest things in the world to swallow. Right. right? <laughs> and so, you know, I think that for, you know, a, you know, someone like me who started a business from scratch with, no, you know, outside, you know, help that I say no outside help. We could talk about all the help. I had a lot of help. Sure. No outside financial help that, uh, that, you know, within the first five years, it was, you know, lots of failure because you, you just don't know, you know, you, that whole expression of you don't know what you don't know kind of thing. But and sometimes that's a good thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. You might have stopped. That's right. That's, there's a lot of truth to that. So, you know, making it through, you know, those, what I think are common, I think those are very 
common failures. You know, banks that won't give loans to startups and you know, just you know, investors that won't give it because they know that those are very common mistakes that new businesses make. And so, surviving through that, that was quite a you know, quite an experience that I was proud of, right? Because you know, it, some of those failures almost made an end to Archon. But then, you know, a, 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 you keep going a, a few years and you get into the, the outside factors, right? That, okay, I'm, I figured this out. I'm doing this the right way now. Right. Uh, but now I get these outside factors. And an example here is the financial crisis of 2008. And, uh, and so then, you know, how I, you know, dealt with that was, you know, a learning experience. Sure. When I thought I had things rolling the right way. And so, you know, one of the biggest experiences for me, biggest failures that I, that I had that, that still is a very much a benefit to me today, you know, because I tell people, you know, all my, my, my folks all the time, I said, you know, when they make a mistake, I say, okay, you just earned this, right? And we just paid for this. So let's not waste this. Let us use this because we bought and paid for it and go and do great things. And so, you know, that is is called experience, but you do pay for it. Those are mistakes. You know, they cost money, they cost time, and, and sometimes the relationships. But from that, that mindset helps you and your people, right, take the positive from it. Absolutely. You have to forgive yourself. At the end of the yeah. day, you have to forgive yourself because, you know, it, it just, we're going to make mistakes. And so I'll give you a very specific example that has had a lasting effect on me during this time. And this is probably about 2010 now, which really that, that fallout financial crisis really didn't hit our business until the beginning of 2010. And because in our business, we have backlog where some businesses have inventory, you know, whatever. So you burn through your inventory and then you're, you know, left with, uh, you know, an unknown. And, and so here we were in the middle of that unknown. And uh, it was a time when, you know, we were losing money. And when a company's losing money, then, you know, there's duress and you can see a business. I mean, you see your clients and you see, and we see, you know, the, the suppliers and vendors and subcontractors when they're losing money, they're under duress and they sure. behave differently. And so it was in this time that, uh, that an employee made a mistake. An employee made a mistake that was very costly. And, you know, I just sounded really professional and calm when I said, you know, this was a mistake and we've paid for it. Now let's not waste that experience. And that sounded really good, didn't it? Sure. Yeah. Well, in 2010... It sounded different. <laughs> it sounded a little different because, you know, I was starting to hang by my fingernails from a cliff. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I was, you know, in, in duress. And so, you know, I wasn't calm. I wasn't patient. And I raised my voice and I told someone to get out. And I did, you know, what the, of what a leader should not, you know, do. And, and that had implications from it. As we learn in life that, uh, you know, relationships are so important because, you know, it is a small world and it is connecting through, you know, the least place that you would expect it to. Exactly. And so that, that action damaged, you know, us for a long time. 
And so I assure you that 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 has never happened since and has been a great source of, of inspiration for me in my life, you know, since. That's good. Well, thank you for sharing that because yeah. those are meaningful moments. We, I've been a firm believer with kind of those experiences where we look back at that. I messed up. We learned the most from those. And I'm sure if we're honest with ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. I mean, mentors along the way, because you talked about you had, you know, not financial help, but health. Uh, Any mentors you've had that kind of helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, a lot. You know, a a lot of mentors. And I would that would be the first advice that I would give, you know, anyone, you know, that's starting a business. And that is, you know, seek uh, great mentors because, you know, as a where I am today with my experience and, you know, I am sought out to at now. It's so interesting. You wake <laughs> up one day and now, you know, the, you're on the other side of the coin. You're the old guy in the room. <laughs> <laughs> in some ways, yeah. Trying not to look it. But uh, the, <laughs> the unique thing about that is, is, you know, you cannot choose who you want to mentor. It's very interesting, right? Yeah. I can't identify someone and say, I want to mentor them. No. They have to choose me. Absolutely. And so I say to anyone, you know, you have a great opportunity to ask, you know, someone to mentor you. And the worst they can do is say no, but quite often they will say yes. And it's that, you know, courage that is the primary reason they will say, you know, yes. And it may take a few times to ask, but, uh, you know, I had the benefit early on of a entrepreneur that, that was a CFO and he had his own business called the strategic CFO. And he was a a dear friend of mine. And and so he helped me with the functionality of a business. Okay. And I think that you have to, it's an acumen. And I got my MBA from university of St. Thomas and, you know, got a great degree from, you know, Texas A&M, but you know, it is the, there's a whole language there that, that is imperative that you learn. And so, you know, that, that mentorship was incredibly important to me. Of course, my dad talked about that. Sure. And, you know, another thing I did was I put together a, a period of time, I put together an advisory board and you hear about, you know, these advisory boards and, but, you know, for me, you know, I didn't want my, my, my banker on it. I didn't want my lawyer on it. I didn't want, you know, the, my surety on it. I chose, you know, people that I thought were, you know, incredibly successful around my sphere of my, my business and commercial real estate. And so a unique, you know, story is a great, a great individual and I had you know, some great individuals on, uh, on, on that board, but you know, one was leading Gensler, you know, at the time, Jim Furr. And, uh, you know, I had met him a number of times. And, uh, but here he is leading the biggest and best firm in town. And to ask him to, to be on this board, which he was for about four years, you wouldn't think, you know, why would he do that? And, right. uh, and so that, that was because, you know, he saw, you know, from kind of watched me from a distance and had the, the, you know, the visibility into to what, you know, we were doing it kind of comes back to that marketing, right? He, right. he knew who I was. Right. And, and so that was a huge you know, impact, you know, for me to have that kind of a mentor, you know, in, in my life. And then, you know, this one, 
even more so, you know, David Harvey, who is one of my favorite people on the planet. Okay. And, uh, and so I remember because, you know, I would go and, you know, you go to these galas and I would go sure. as well. And, and so I'd go up and I respected them as, you know, the best construction company in the city. And so I'd go up and introduce myself to David Harvey and say, you know, it's nice to meet you. And he goes, yeah, yeah it's nice to meet you and, and move along. And, right. and then, and then after maybe a year or two, we ended up getting into a really nice, you know, conversation. And, and this was years and years ago, but, and so, you know, when I called him one day and asked him if he would be a mentor to me and would he participate in this? And, you know, he said, yes. And that is, I think, a great example for, you know, anyone in, you know, our business and really any business that, you know, the, you get back, you know, what you give. And, and so it's people like that. Never be afraid to ask someone, you know, for that kind of mentorship. I think it's great advice to, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs or business owners that are listening surrounding yourself with those great mentors. I have found that people that have been successful in their career, when a younger person comes in, there's this, you know, feeling of wanting to pay it forward. Because what you don't realize is regardless of who they are and what their path was, someone in some way helped them along the way too when you when they were in your position. Absolutely. And, you know, you you take some sense of obligation and, you know, to do just that, make yourself available like you're doing now because someone did it for you. That's right. But, you know, great story, great success. Just I've watched you and your company grow and you're right. You're, there's signs and banners all over the city where your projects are going on. And so I want to move to wrap it up, but a little personal side of that we had some fun questions with. You grew up in Beaumont, Texas, the youngest of six. What was your first job? <laughs> So uh, the Edwards family and Winnie and Beaumont were great friends of ours. And so at the age, ripe old age of 14, uh, I was hired to work in the Seafood Lover, which is a, is a fresh seafood place that Stevie Edwards runs and has still today. And so, you know, it's nothing like learning to work hard and being in the back of a, of a fresh seafood shop, filleting fish and peeling shrimp and... <laughs> Coming home smelling ripe. Yeah, uh, well, like the no. However, you learn it. There's no substitute for learning hard work, that's right? right? That uh, and that sounds like a good place to do it. What about so your native Texan? So Tex-Mex or barbecue? Oh my gosh, Tex-Mex for sure for me. All right, there you go. And last question. So if you could take a 30 day sabbatical, where would you go and what would you do? Well, I've I've done it before. Maybe not 30 days, but uh, I'm an I'm an old soul, and and I. And I'm an old school, you know, I would say a, a Renaissance man. And so Europe is the place for me. And so we have many places and haunts that, uh, that we like to travel around in Europe. Okay, very good. Michael, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to come tell your story. It's yeah. fascinating. Tons of value that you've shared with us. And congratulations on everything. And thanks again. Absolutely. Glad to be here. And there we have it, another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at BoyerMiller.com forward slash podcast. And you can find out more about all the ways our firm can help you at BoyerMiller.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.